0: Did Brian Koberger return to the scene of the crime? What Google search you should not have on your computer when your 115 pound wife is missing and you are the suspect. Some Nashville cops gone wild, and then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Crime Talk, my name is Scott Reich, you know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't, like if you do, leave me a comment below, hit that little bell for notifications when we go live or put up new content. And since it is Tuesday night, remember we'll be going live, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, please join us. We'll be talking about the cases that you wanna talk about and we will be taking your questions. 6 p.m. Mountain Time, please join us. And let's support the people that support Crime Talk. Like many Americans, we got a dog during the pandemic. My quarantine dog, Miss Winnie the Bulldog. Now, Miss Winnie has grown accustomed to being around us all the time. When we were leaving the house, Winnie would have extreme anxiety, so we decided to look for natural products to help with her anxiety. We looked for the highest quality CBD treats, and we were not satisfied, and neither was Winnie. So we created a high quality CBD product that absorbs faster and provides the required results faster. Baked in Colorado CBD treats and beverage enhancers are made with nanotechnology. The nanotechnology makes the CBD extraction more pure, also allows for baked in Colorado products to work faster. Baked in Colorado products can help reduce your pet's anxiety, ease joint pain, and help with your dog's skin problems. Go to our online store and see what Baked in Colorado product is best for your dog. When you order at BakedinColorado.com, enter code WINNIE and receive 15% off your first order. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee. If your dog does not experience the desired results in 30 days, return the product and we will refund your money. No questions asked. All right, before we go ahead and open the docket, I want to mention a couple of things. Obviously, we're going live tonight, but second, something weird happened. We put up a video yesterday, and apparently nobody saw it. When I went to bed last night, it was very odd. The numbers were very low, and when I woke up this morning, the numbers were even lower. I think YouTube didn't like the video, probably because we had some discussions with some demonstrative exhibits, and um, I'm not sure what happened. But anyway, if you didn't see yesterday's video, it may be worth watching, listening to. So go ahead and uh, hit the link below. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for January 10th of 2023, and let's get the docket going. All right, so there's some new video in the University of Idaho murder case that could support the investigator's theory that uh, Brian Koberger, the suspect, actually returned to the crime scene in his white sedan shortly after he allegedly killed four students. That's right, Brian Koberger's phone allegedly pinged in the area of the students' Moscow home around 9 a.m. on November 13th, roughly five hours after he allegedly went into the house, that's a burglary, with the intent to commit a crime therein, i.e. homicide, and stabbed the students to death. Now, that's according to the probable cause affidavit. That's their theory. Now, there's been some footage taken near the home in the afternoon on the following day showing a white car driving by. Now, Koberger drove a white Hyundai Elantra, which became a key in the investigation in the search for a suspect. Now, the white Hyundai Elantra is believed to have been driving by the the white Hyundai Elantra believed to be driven by the uh, Mr. Koberger, uh, and it was seen driving past the student's home at least four times on the morning of the homicides. That's right, they are estimated between 3.29 a.m. and 4.04 a.m. Now, the vehicle pattern matched the estimated time of the homicide, and it was later connected to Mr. Koberger, who, as we all know, was a PhD student, studying in a nearby college there at Washington State University, Pullman. Well, the footage from the university showed a white Elantra leaving the campus in the direction of Moscow, Idaho, just before 3 a.m. on the night of the murders. The Elantra returned to campus around 5.25 a.m. the same morning. And near the homicide scene, there was video that was captured a white car passing by in the background as the journalists updated the public on the then-developing case. The sighting came after police began investigating following the 911 call, which came in around noon. Now, the make and model of the car of the that's on the news footage is unclear, but it could possibly be Mr. Koberger's car. We'll have to wait and see. Now, cell phone data allegedly previously put Koberger in the area around 9 a.m. before the stabbings uh, were reported. The data also revealed an alarming trend showing the uh accused Mr. Koberger, killer, had been in the area of the student's home at least a dozen times before the massacre at very strange hours indeed. Now, all these occasions except for one occurred in the late evening and early morning hours of their respective days. That's according to the affidavit. Now, lawyers for the family of Kaylee Gonsalves say that suspect Brian Koberger had no connection to any of the four students he is accused of murdering. And, um, we're gonna have to wait and see, but you know we discussed yesterday, hey, everyone asks, Scott, how would you defend Mr. Koberger? So I laid it out, what I would do. Had some demonstrative aids. In fact, I, I brought in the K-Bar. You have to watch the video, see. And I brought in a sheath from a K-Bar. And as you can see, there's the little snap on the top where somebody could certainly leave their DNA and it could be easily uh, recovered there, indeed. Well, go check it out. Since YouTube didn't want anybody to see it, let's try and get it there anyway. All right, next on the docket, what you should not have on your computer when your 115 pound wife is missing and you're the prime suspect. That's right. Well, the police are investigating the disappearance of the Massachusetts mother of three, Anna Walsh, and they found uh, traces of blood, a hacksaw, and a rug that was apparently used, and uh, some cleaning supplies uh, while searching dumpsters near the mother-in-law's home. So the district attorney up there uh, says that the items will now undergo forensic testing to determine if there's any significance or if they're something of evidentiary value. Of course they are. Anyway, the police made the uh, discovery while picking through the trash at a Peabody garbage facility, which apparently houses a trash compactor. And uh, Brian Walsh, the husband, has been charged with misleading a police investigation after he was seen on surveillance video buying heavy-duty cleaning supplies despite telling police he had been home around the time his wife, uh, Anna, was last seen alive. Now, the investigation into Anna's disappearance took somewhat of a twist on Monday when it was revealed that uh, Walsh had uh, searched how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body. I mean, because that's, everybody searches that on a regular basis, right? And such specificity. It's amazing. Well, Anna was described as being about 5'2 and about 115 pounds uh, to the police uh, when uh, she went missing. What a coincidence. Needless to say, Anna was not reported missing until January 4th when it was her office called uh, the police when she failed to show up for work. Since then, the police have been uh, combing the seaside town of Cohasset, for any signs of Anna. Now, initially treated as a missing persons case, the investigator transitioned to a homicide case after Walsh's internet search queries, like I said, which include how to dismember a human, were also discovered. Hmm, funny how that works out. Well, prosecutors believe uh, that Walsh gave police misleading statements about his and his wife's actions around the time of her disappearance, buying him some additional time to clean up the possible crime scene. These various statements uh, caused a delay in the investigation to the point that the time frame he didn't report his wife and gave various statements that allowed him to either clean it up the evidence, dispose of the evidence, and cause delay, which is what the prosecutors are saying he did. And those statements included a confused and rambling alibi when Walsh told police about what he was doing on the day that he said he uh, left his wife for the airport. Those statements included a confused and rambling alibi that Walsh told police about what he was doing on the day he said that his wife left for the airport. He had stated to the police he left his phone at home. People do that all the time. Then he drove to Whole Foods and CVS uh, about 40 miles from his home uh, on January 1st and uh, then brought one of his son's Out for uh, ice cream the next day. But he didn't appear on any of the surveillance uh, footage at either of those stores. And instead of going out for ice cream on January 2nd, he was seen on a video going to a Home Depot where he picked up about $450 in mops, buckets, tarps, tape, and other cleaning supplies. He wore a mask and gloves during the trip as well. Well, after obtaining a search warrant uh, for Mr. Walsh's home, blood was discovered in the basement along with a bloodied uh, and damaged knife. Ooh, you mean knives can get damaged? Mm. Well, Walsh has not to yet been charged with his wife's disappearance, not yet, and he's pled not guilty to misleading the police charge, and he's currently being held on a $500,000 bond. Now, Mr. Walsh was already under house arrest for charges of wire fraud, from 2018, where he pled guilty to a scam where he sold a pair of fake Andy Warhol paintings for roughly $80,000 on eBay. And that's one of those things like, did you really think you were gonna get some Andy Warhol photos on eBay? Go figure. Anyway, he pled guilty back in 2021. But under the terms of his house arrest, Mr. Walsh was allocated time where he could leave the home. And during his January 2nd uh, outing to Home Depot, he was supposedly uh, taking his kids to school even though the school was closed that day. Seems like a really involved father, really knows what was going on. Well, at least the police up there in uh, the Massachusetts area aren't the uh, police down in uh, Tennessee because these cops have gone wild. So four police officers from the Tennessee town of Lavergne, L-A-V-E-R-G-N-E, were fired for allegedly engaging in sex on duty with a female police officer who was also fired and accused of taking her top off at what the mayor called a girls gone wild hot tub party Patrol officer Megan Hall of La Verge Police Department is at the forefront of this investigation after it was discovered in December that she engaged in sexual relationships with at least four other male officers fellow patrol officers Juan Lugo Perez Lewis How Detective Seneca Shields and Sergeant Henry Ty McGowan admitted to the accusations according to the final report, uh, with Shields claiming he only had engaged in a little bit of stuff with Hall in the department's gym while on duty. Now, Hall is married and is also accused of revealing her breasts where a, a steamy Family Memorial Day boat party with patrol officer Patrick Magaloco uh, who was suspended, and fellow officer David Derman and Eric Statz. Magaloco said that Statz himself, Durham and Hall, were in the hot tub when Hall's top came off before he and Hall went off to have sex in the restroom. Canine officer Larry Holliday and patrol officer Gavin Schrobel were also suspended and charged with sexual harassment after engaging uh, with sexual images with officer Hall. The hot tub party, also attended by several of the male officers' wives, uh, was hosted on Stats' boat. Now, Magaloco was seen pouring vodka down Hall's throat moments before she took off her top. Now, the report also states that Hall's top came off and Stats helped put it back on because he was trying to protect her. Hall then pulled Magaloco into the restroom and asked if he wanted to, you know, and then later gave him, you know, and when they got off the boat. Hall was open about her relationships with the other officers and actually bragged to Magaloco about Officer Powell's um, size after performing various uh, sex acts while on duty. Durham and Stats claim they did not have an inappropriate relationship with Hall. Powell, who is married, initially denied having a sexual relationship with Hall several times and claimed that everybody knows she has multiple partners. He later confessed to that. Now, Magaloco told investigators on December 13th that he and his wife had been in an open relationship with Hall since the spring of 2022. He revealed that one day Hall's husband walked in on her and his wife and uh, wasn't on board with the open relationship. At one party, Hall and Magaloco's wife started kissing and Hall's husband came in the room and seemed upset. Hall appeared to keep her sexual relationships a secret from her husband and asked other officers to borrow money to book hotels. Magaloco told investigators that he was concerned for Hall's mental health since she became heavily intoxicated at his house party in early December and um, drove home intoxicated. Now, Hall voiced harmful thoughts and on multiple occasions said uh, she should not be alone. Magaloco reported his concerns to the department in December, and Hall told Officer Holiday, who was suspended for sending explicit images, that she had Bad days. Holliday told investigators that he once invited Hall and other officers to his home to watch football and there was some heavy drinking. Then Holliday reported that there was talk of a threesome with him and Hall and Holiday's ex. Holliday reported nothing happened at that particular party, but the officers admitted to having a sexual relationship with Hall and meeting her in hotel rooms for sex. Their encounters was back in mid-November. Now, before Hall was officially hired on the force, she had met up with Officer McGowan's house with her husband and another female. At the time, Hall was a candidate and had taken her clothes off along with the other females, and Hall's husband got upset, the report reads. During that visit, McGowan admitted to taking out his, uh, you know, with Hall in the room and taking a photo of it. He sent that photo to Hall. McGowan denied having any sex with Hall, but revealed explicit images and videos he received from her. Another employer revealed McGowan's approached her uh, while on duty and choked her. He was terminated amid the uh, allegations and the sexual engagements and for workplace violence. Hall initially denied having a sexual relationship with all of the men except for Holiday, which she insists was only at his house or in hotels. She admitted he's sending nude images to other officers on shifts, including Holiday, Magaloco, and Officer and Officer Schobel. He later backtracked and confessed about Magaloco, but denied being involved with his wife. Magaloco had discussed having a threesome with Magaloco's wife. However, nothing ever apparently happened. Hall also confirmed that she had sexual relations with Lugo Perez and Powell. Lugo Perez initially denied the claims to the investigators, but later admitted he did, in fact, have sex with Hall at the Go Kart USA. Uh, location in Murfsboro. He also confessed to exchanging nude images with Hall. Hall confessed to an ongoing relationship with McGowan, despite his pushback and denial. Hall confirmed she had sex twice with McGowan, most recently in December at his house in Laverne. And Hall said that uh, she and McGowan had been close forever. And at one time he told her to use me if she ever wanted to have sex. Hall confirmed she and McGowan had sex, and sent nudes back and forth. It's unclear if any of the officers are going to appeal. Wow, that was long and um, somewhat confusing. But uh, look at this officer. Didn't see that coming. Uh, But it just shows you why you do not engage in um, relationships with people that you work with. It always ends ugly. And you certainly shouldn't do it with apparently just about everybody on the police department. My goodness, Miss Hall. Somehow, I don't think you're being law enforcement sometime, but I'm sure she'll be opening a, an OnlyFans page immediately and probably making more money than she's ever made in her life. All right, next on the docket, our dumb criminal of the day. Please meet Spencer Googler. He's accused of stealing packages from people's porches, also known as a porch pirate. Where does he do these things? In Oklahoma. How does he disguise himself? That's right, he puts women's underwear on his head during the commissions of the crime. Take a look at that. Ingenious, isn't it? Ingenious. He knows they got to prove identity. They'll never identify him. Well, the police put out a uh, post saying, hey, this porch pirate with an unusual and uh, questionably effective mask. What do you think about it? Well, they announced that uh, he had been arrested. That's when they named Mr. Uh, Googler as the suspected burglar on January 6th. The Street Crimes Division was made aware of porch pirates uh, in a particular area. And um, apparently it wasn't Mr. Googler's first time. And according to the police, they located Googler's vehicle using surveillance video. This led them to discover that Googler had allegedly committed more acts of porch piracy while wearing female underwear on his head. Officers uh, recognized the suspect from previous porch pirates cases where the suspect had the underwear on. Cops said they found Googler's home and they knocked on the door. He refused to come out. So they secured the house while he remained inside and refused to speak to the police while they obtained an arrest and search warrant for the residence. Once they returned with the warrant, guess what? Mr. Googler exited the house uh, once the police asked him to do so. It's unclear if he came out with uh, female underwear on his head. But he is now charged in five counts of larceny, one count of knowingly concealing stolen property, and one count of grand larceny held in the Tulsa County Jail on a $17,000 bond. All right, thanks for watching, everybody. Please join us tonight, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and then we will do our Patreon show immediately following that. So if you're not a Patreon, become a Patreon. Have a wonderful day, not just a good day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.